Amarillo by morning. Up from San Antonio. Everything that I got. What? What's he got, Cullen? Just what I got on. That's right. You ever been to Amarillo? I've never been to Amarillo. Uh, I've never been to Amarillo. It, or at least, let me say, I don't remember going to Amarillo. Like, maybe I've driven through it on the way to Colorado. I used to, like, drive to Colorado frequently, but I don't ever remember, hmm. like, stopping. Why would you go to Colorado frequently? Skiing. Steamboat Springs? Uh, I have been to Steamboat. I've been to a lot of places in Colorado for m- many reasons. Um, what was I saying? Something about Amarillo. Never been to Something. Amarillo. You were singing a song. Yeah. Um, good old George Strait. Can't go wrong with George. Texas, baby. All right. Welcome to Pines and Perspectives. You are back. We are back. We are here. And there's just two of us, not three of us. I'm Adam. That's Cullen. And hopefully you are ready to have uh, just the best time of your life. A grand old time. Listening to us, two white guys, as we uh, talk about beer and theology. If it makes it any better, we did try to offset our whiteness by lots of degrees. So we at least have some kind of credibility to have <laughs> because, conversation. Because because education makes you less elitist and prejudiced. I don't know. Um, it definitely gives you Somehow. critical thinking skills. Uh, what are we drinking to get today, Cullen? This is some stuff you brought. <laughs> yes, it is some stuff I brought. Look. Uh, I think it, you know, some people would say it's quite a fitting beer for me. An arrogant, <laughs> it's called an arrogant bastard. Let me get, let me ask you a question, Cullen. Um, uh-huh. Describe this can and art and marketing for me, please. As a beer drinker. Um, There's definitely some kind of like demon mammal creature being thing on demon it. Demon mammal. Okay. Insert graphic. Okay, uh, go ahead. <laughs> demon mammal. Uh that's what I call my seven-year-old son. <laughs> Just kidding. Love you, bud. Uh, yeah, he's like, it, it's definitely got some shadow to it. He has uh, some horns coming off for sure, but a face more like a, a cat, like a bobcat or like a lion of some kind. Mm. Um, and then I don't know what's going on with the scales across his nose. Okay, no. Uh, nose. What about the rest of the can art? Like, is it appealing to you? Do you like it? Tell us what colors you're looking at. What uh, kind of black font? and red? Okay. Black and red. It definitely looks very dark, mysterious. Um, not like something you would want to partake of. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, and what brewer is it by? Um, oh, I didn't look. Brewed and canned by Arrogant Consortia, Escondido, California, and Richmond, Virginia. Made in the USA. Escondido is a great name. What does it? What does it mean? I don't know. I Apparently, speak- this is also a vegan beer. What? Okay, here's the deal with this beer. It says, "Drink fresh, numbskull." Yeah. So this beer was a, this beer has a long and storied past. It was originally produced by a brewing company called Stone Brewing, which we've done the uh, their their most famous West Coast IPA, uh, kind of like was the original West Coast IPA in the early '90s. Uh, and Stone Brewing basically like 
totally changed. Joy by yes, that's correct. That's correct. Stone basically like changed the brewing game in American beers in the '90s, Um, and so they had they got really popular really quick. And all of their branding was wait for it, drum roll please. Demon mammals. Actually, uh, (laughs) the proper term for this uh, creature is a gargoyle. I I wonder if demon mammal uh, is the first time a gargoyle has ever been described as such. But a demon mammal. The point is, it could not um, be a better name. When I was an uh, when I was a Christian and started drinking beer, I would drink Stone IPA and Stone uh, the Stone line of beers because it had demons all over it, and I thought I was a really edgy, uh, really, really, really edgy, edgy out there Christian fundamentalist um, and trigger racist. Um, <laughs> Colonizer, (laughs) Patreon. (laughs) Okay, so um, piece of shit. (laughs) That one hurt. That one hurt. Uh, Hey, we all are at some level. I'm shit trash people. So so here's the deal. So Stone got really popular, made a big splash, and so they started doing these extra cool beers. So Arrogant Bastard Ale was one of these cool beers that they did, and it's like a mix between a red ale and and like a like a West Coast IPA. And oh, it's somewhere okay. in, 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 um, so it's like, uh, okay. Yeah. It's interesting. It's unique. Um, yeah, you can't, it doesn't fit within a category. And so it got so popular. So back in the day when I was drinking these, when these first came to Houston, I was like, oh man, this is so good. Stone IPA, everything they do is really good. And so then they did these like double bastard ales where they would, Ooh. yeah, like a double IPA, but like mixed, uh, Oak arrogant bastard where they would oak it right uh uh and then they they did a few other so they ended up selling it off okay so here's the deal so i didn't know any of this because i got out of the beer game for a while so i saw an arrogant bastard ale on the shelf at the store and i was like oh my gosh we got to get this i never see him anymore and i sat down here to prepare for the episode and i'm like stone brewing arrogant bastard it's not a thing doesn't exist Apparently, this beer got very unpopular <laughs> about 10 years ago, uh, and they retired all of the spinoff lines associated with it and sold the, that this specific beer off entirely and, and made like a totally different brewing company, which is called Arrogant Consortia. Consortia, and they do like whiskey and Arrogant Bastard Ale. They still do Arrogant Bastard Ale, which so tech also, uh, so I did some reading on this, and apparently. This it says hated by many, loved by few. Yeah, they so, just embraced it. I love it. Um, as as uh, that's how you be a bad boy brand. Well, so apparently the bad boy brand only has a the reason why it has survived after doing some research on the internet. Uh, this brand is like barely hanging on by a thread, and the only people who still like this is in multiple blogs. The only people who still buy this uh, are. Uh, <laughs> Wait, where I want I want to um, quote some. I blog. want to quote this blog and say uh, if uh, 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 there are two main reasons why this iconic b- brand has outlived its usefulness and almost ne- ne- necessary discontinuing. Its marketing is extremely outdated, <laughs> and its sales have proven to be dismal, despite. Old beer nerds still buying <laughs> bottles of Arrogant Bastard at the grocery store as one-offs. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> We're right here. We're keeping you alive, you Arrogant Bastards. Uh, when I read that like 10 minutes ago, I was like, 
Oh, on the nose. I'm an old-timey beer nerd. We're old-timey beer nerds buying beer at the grocery store. But like in single one-offs. And apparently, like all the branding was originally marketed to like millennial white guys who were just breaking into craft beer, which was why it originally appealed to me. Uh, uh, and so, um, it, but it's a real. I think Look at it's. That head. I think it's an incredible beer, and we're in for a great experience. Look at that beer head. Oh also, my God, I read it's all, vivacious. Vivacious. That's beautiful. Gorgeous. Tell us about the color. Oh, it's like it's very dark. For as far as IPAs go, it's it's pretty dark. Well, it's not an IPA. Well, but you said it's like an IPA, but, but it's, it's also like a red. It's it's an arrogant bastard ale. It literally has no category. Like read look look. No, at I the, did. Yeah. I did. This is um It's thick, syrupy. Yeah, I mean look at that head. It seven point two alcohol by volume. We're doing it out of a uh, nineteen point two ounce can. That's why we're splitting it. I've had it I've had it uh on tap and it's out of this world. Um, it looks great. It smells like a double IPA. It smells very malty. I don't think it smells like a double IPA at all. Well, it didn't have a lot of hop aroma. I think it smells like a red ale. Okay. It reminds it me a like lot a of ale. like an Irish red. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, yeah. Well, yours is definitely, yeah, it's, well, no, it looks like it, it's, yeah, it, it looks, looks like, like an ale. Irish red ale. A uh, very amber colored head. Yeah. Okay. Drink right. it. Cheers. Cheers. It's been out of the fridge for a little while. So it's good. Bitter AF. Low malt. Red ale bite. Hops coats the palate. I'm a little frustrated. These arrogant bastards <laughs> said that the IBU level is classified. It's extremely high. Tell me, yeah, what's the... That's what feels out of place in a red. It's not it, a red. It ale. is a re- no. It is a red. Nope. Read, that they hop. Read read the website. No, I did. I did. I know it's a mix between them. Or it, look, it's hated by many, bro. Only loved by few. I happen to be a few. I think it's quite good. Well, the IBUs are really high. I'm surprised you like it it's, with as high as the IBUs are. It's a nostalgic taste to me. I used to drink a lot of this back in the day when I was trying to be, you know, there was a time in my life where like I was an actual beer nerd who was like, I only have beers over 70 IBUs at gravity. And I used to be like yeah. super nerdy with that crap. And this was one of those beers. I was like, this is something different and unique. And you can, you're not this. So, and I thought it was still stone IPA or uh, uh, sorry, still stone brewing. In fact, in uh, an article I read about this, uh, when this gets delivered to the grocery store, it comes from the stone dis- distributing company. It is delivered on the stone delivery truck. Uh, but when it gets into the store, it has to be separated and put in opposite areas of stone on the store shelf it can't be next to the stone beers it has to be like over there with something else that's how the deal went down yep that's how the deal went down um i see why it's struggling (laughs) why is it struggling tell me why it's struggling um you're a hophead i figured you would love this i actually do think it's good um i don't think it's great um it, the problem with it is 
the hops ruin the amber. The yes. amber, the the red yes. ale is a very delicate ale. Like, have you ever had Killens? Oh, definitely. Love it. That beer is a very delicate flavor profile. And when you blow it out of the water with like 65 or, or how many you think this is? 80? Yeah. I didn't, I, I struggle going that high with it, but yeah. It's hoppy. It, like, it is bitter. It's up there. It, yeah. it kills all that red. You really don't get much of that. It's beautiful to look at, but on the palate, there's not enough space for that red to have room. It's just the hops. That's really all you taste. I, no, I disagree. I mean, I think there is really good malt notes. And Only on the front. Yeah, well, I mean, the hops is what lingers, definitely. It's bitter. Hated by many. It, it is uh, referred to as... Uh, um, there have been many nods to the Arrogant Bastard Ale, even outright attempts to copy it, but only one can ever embody the true nature of liquid arrogance. Hated by many and loved by few. The Arrogant I got to just be honest, the branding gets is going to get some extra points from me. You like the branding. Well, you know. <laughs> you millennial white guy, beer nerd. <laughs> well, no, it's not that. It's that I'm the, I'm the, I'm the arrogant bastard. I'm the I'm the one that nobody understands, mm-hmm. and therefore I get made the villain. Mm. Um, and so it it fills a piece of me, um, mm. but it's not my like quintessential beer. Um, all right, score it. I'm struggling to score mine. I I'm think a, I know. I mean, I would. I I have emotional sentimentality to this beer and its line. The uh the. Double oaked was one that they did at one point because they did a doubled and they did an oaked and the doubled oaked was my favorite. They don't make them anymore apparently uh, uh, <clears throat> because the hops was lower. Um, it need, it could used to be a little lower. So yeah, I mean, I would give it a seven. I'm gonna give it a seven. I'm seven two. It's six, a, six nine without the branding. Seven two <laughs> as the as the final. It color. is it is a work of art. I have to say it is. It I mean it. Yeah, and it, it's just my flavor. I want more of that. I want more of that red in there. That's my only complaint. I want more of that red to shine through. This is what um, arrogant bastard brewing or arrogant consortia brewing has to say to you. This is an aggressive beer, Cullen. You probably won't like it. It is uh, quite doubtful that you have the taste or the sophistication to be able to appreciate an ale of this quality and depth. We. At Arrogant Consortia to you, Cullen would suggest that you stick to a safer and more familiar territory. Maybe something with a multi-million dollar ad campaign aimed at convincing you it's made at an independent brewery somewhere in Texas. Or one that implies that their tasteless seltzer, fizzy yellow beer, whatever the hell will give you more sex appeal, fill in the blank. Perhaps you think multi-million dollar ad campaigns make that junk taste better. Perhaps you're mouthing your words i don't know anyways it goes on and on and on uh, uh, the joke got buried in there somewhere ha 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 okay what now arrogant uh, bastard ale everyone you have to tell me why you think you're a christian ooh this is, yeah this is you know by the title that we're talking about um Moral influence, atonement theory, or model. Uh, and this is the one that Adam subscribes to. 
So we're going to let Adam tell us why he thinks he's a Christian. Yeah. So um, do you want to talk about atonement families first? Do you want well, to? Well, Ben did talk about atonement families. So if you want to understand the greater concept of atonement families, we're not going to redo it in this episode. You have to go watch the last episode with Ben Blackwell. So the uh, moral vision uh, one. The transforming <sighs> vision. Uh, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Moral influence theory falls within this i guess pedagogical categories i mean these all theology is made up so uh this category of like the transforming vision family of um of soteriological categories (laughs) if i can throw out more theology phrases more made up words theology um and so (laughs) (laughs) cheers friends crushable let's see how many i can throw in there oh it's definitely not crushable it's definitely not crushable, uh, not alcohol-wise or, um, like, palate-friendly. Um, <laughs> it's just the hops is overwhelming, yo. It's a lot. It's um, a lot. Okay, so it's a part of the transforming vision family, uh, which, according to the theologians, um, puts more emphasis on, uh, in the divine transaction that we might call salvation, in, in the soteriological, like the op, the modus operandi of the uh, of the soteriological, like how it works, um, this would put more emphasis on the human than on God. For example, uh, moral influence theory: uh, the human is transformed by a vision of uh, certain things, which I'll get into here in a minute. That's on the human influence uh, primary side, and then on the God. Um, emphasis side, you have um, like total determinism where God like determines everything. Um, you know, some like extreme version of Calvinism or something like that. Uh, or <laughs> just average American Christianity these days, I guess, because nobody knows what the hell they think. Um, so God's in control and storm the Capitol. Okay, enough of that soapbox. Well, <laughs> great, great. So great. I'm on this side of things <laughs> because. Um, I, why am I still a Christian? Because I think I would articulate my theological position as atheist to agnostic. Um, meaning I don't necessarily believe in a divine personality such as a, such as a God God. or, um, or even like, but even like, um, like a multiple gods you know <laughs> like like some pantheist or, or not pantheist uh, what a polytheist idea right like hinduism okay. or something like that i don't necessarily believe in a person god uh, um um but i am open to the possibility that uh the i the concept of divinity or god uh i'm open to the possibility that 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 there is something out there that we in our very finite limited perspective and language models refer to as divine or god but perhaps it's just some like scientific process that we're too dumb to figure out yet or ever um maybe it's like string theory i don't know the multiverse or whatnots, um, or like, you know, dark matter, or I'm just throwing stuff against the wall right now. I don't think dark matter's God, or maybe it is. Do you know? I don't know. Nobody freaking knows. And that's the point. Um, 
So that would make me an agnostic if I believe something is yeah. out there. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I don't believe in a personhood of God, an independent agent of, uh, uh, or maybe I do. I don't know. So that's kind of atheist. But why am I still a Christian, you ask? Because if you look at the spectrum of um, putting more emphasis on the human participation in the sociological model or God, I don't have a God. Right. Right. So if I'm going to stay on this Christian spectrum of how uh, I am saved or it's atonement theories at one mint, there's all these different names that mean the exact same thing. Um, my atonement theory, how I become one with God is over here based on really me, not God, because I don't think God is something. Yeah. So it in that way, it's not really an atonement model for you because you're not there's no salvific element involved in this. Uh, you're, not, you're not being made alive in any kind of way, and there's no afterlife that you're participating in that you gain access it's to. It's not salvific in an eternal... Uh, wait, 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 hold on. Slow down. Yes, good point. It, I, I don't... Um, my atonement model is not salvific in the sense that I need to be saved for some eternal dwelling place that is either torturous or uh, utopian. But you do think that you are brought into a deeper meaning of life or Bingo. something? <clears throat> right now, the only moment that is real is this current moment. And guess what? That moment is no longer real because it's in the past. So the only moment that's real is now this current moment uh i don't know what heaven is and neither do you i don't know what happens after death and neither do you you have some theories that are based on some great whatever anecdotes and uh research and all sorts of things data points data points Go sure back watch the first episode with ben blackwell sure and that's fine and you're entitled to that belief uh you know i'm open to the possibility that string theory is god right we're all believing some things right we're all theologians right everybody's a theologian whether you believe in a god or not you still have some position on theology here's my point <clears throat> my point is I do still consider myself a Christian and I do think the atonement model that I hold is salvific in the sense that it does. Uh, I don't like the word saved cause it's very paternalistic and just like has all these colonization tones in my head. Um, but I am restored to more full humanity or an idealistic version of human existence in a, an, in, um, the ecosystem of nature. Um, I think the way of Jesus, I'll put this in simpler terms. I think Jesus gives us an incredible example and model of how to be a good citizen in a community, uh, a, a, an, in, a, a person, like a person to person community, like a one-on-one -on -one relationship, but also like a, like a, a more uh, local regional and global community. I think Jesus really offers a lot of um, uh, good insight into how one's morality uh, could be shaped and practiced to benefit the community more than uh, only one's self. And I find that deeply appealing. Um, and maybe that's a, maybe that is a privilege of being privileged <laughs> that I have the ability to forego some privilege to do that just like Jesus. And so maybe that's only a function of those who have the privilege to lay it down to begin with. So maybe there's some like Christological things going on there for me personally as a white guy. Uh, but that is what I do. <laughs> I, yeah. I, the, the work that I do serves black and brown poor people. Uh, yeah. And I'm really proud of it. Um, I'm really uh, it's, I wear it as a badge of honor, call it my white guilt. I don't care. Fine. I have white guilt. Yes. Uh, I believe in systemic racism and I should do what I can 
I should not count myself equal with um, uh, the uh, uh, norm uh, or the privileged class. Uh, but laying down my privileged class, I attempt daily to humble myself to the point of serving those who don't have privilege and access. I think that's real Christian. So that atonement model that I just talked about in my own life would be like a moral influence. Jesus's morality and practice and life and words influence me and woo my heart. Yeah. And there you go. This, this is why moral influence theory or moral influence atonement model hasn't been wholesale rejected by the church, but in the form that Adam packages it, we link it to a guy named Pelagius. Yeah. And it was outlawed by the church. Yeah, he was definitely a heretic. He was definitely ruled a heretic by the uh, yeah all the folks. And the, whole, so. the, the, the reason that he was deemed heretical was, as Ben said, he wasn't wrong about everything. Right. Right? What he was, what the church said he was wrong about is that sin was a sickness rather than a death. Yeah. And the way Pelagius talked about it was, it, the meta, one of the most common metaphors he used was, sin was like a rock tied to a bird's ankle. Mm-hmm. And when you first tied the rock to the bird, the bird could not fly. But if the bird continued to have enough nutrients and continue to be fed and continue to try and grow strong, it could fly away with the rock. Right. Meaning that if sin is the rock, then the individual, the bird, the human, is capable of 100% dealing with sin all on their own. No need for any kind of outside influence like God or divinity of any kind to come in and help right this ship. Sin was a sickness that through hard work, discipline, and attempt could be overcome in its entirety by the human. Works-based righteousness, perhaps, yep. uh, which, which is a version here. Uh, also, well, that's exactly what you're doing. Also, exactly well, what you've communicated. See, I um, make modifications. Okay, for But you ex- don't, though, because you even dedicated your career to this. Well, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I mean, and that I, was the whole reason you were getting life. I make modifications to, like, the theological underpinnings uh, that Pelagian had. So like, for example, let me give you an example. For example, um, Pelagius argued that the death of Jesus. So like, this is what atonement theories are about. Like, why did you, like, what did Jesus's death do? You know, like what, what, you know, for me, for him, whatever. Um, what's the efficacy of it? What does it, yeah, the efficacy, the salvific efficacy of Jesus's sacrifice. What is that? Uh, so Pelagius would say that it is the, famously stated that it is the greatest display of God's love for humanity. And it's like the ultimate, like um, refocusing of the human transforming vision, the the, the ultimate focusing of the vision of the human who is no longer focusing on God and other stuff. But like, okay, so I disagree with that. I, I don't hold that at all. I don't think Jesus's sacrifice was the ultimate picture of love to, to woo humanity back. Um, I disagree entirely. I mean, I, I think um, there are plenty of other things that he did with um, prostituted women and uh, crippled individuals and, the you know, all sorts of uh, oppressed individuals that uh, woos me far more than the fact that the government m- murdered him. Um, so you I mean, make... You I, mean all those miracles that he performed? 
Sure, miracles. But you don't believe he did? I mean, look, I believe Jesus did some stuff that people that blew some people's minds. Yep. Like miracles? I mean, sure, call them what you want if it makes you feel better. So you think um, like he could touch somebody with lifelong boils all over their body and they just go away? Like instantly, visually, in front of them all at the moment? Like, man, he was really working with some hardcore essential oils, if that's true. Yeah, so you don't believe in miracles? Uh, I mean, we would have to get into a conversation about how we're defining miracles. But like like, um, um, like a limb growing out? Jesus definitely didn't raise Lazarus from the dead. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Do people come back from the dead? Maybe. I don't know. I've never known somebody to come back from the dead. It's also a story that you read in a, in a big book of stories, isn't it? I mean, it feels really good that he wept over his friend and waited three days in the grave so he can make a point about his power. I don't really know that it would be read and beloved by so many people. If it was just the story, boy, you know, people get bored with that old, shit. Old narrative theo- theologian over here now arguing against narrative theology no, being not, a, a long lasting. Uh, no, that's not what I'm communicating. Yeah, okay. What I'm communicating is there are lots of people who have written great epics, tomes, Homer. of literature that have great stories of miracles in them, and they're not near as popular and don't have large cult followings around them because. They weren't real. You hear that, Christians? He called you a large cult following. Uh, well, I didn't say all Christians are <laughs> cult well, following. Well, I, def- I mean, definitionally, aren't they? But I guess that's true. The <laughs> true, like, <laughs> academic term for a cult all <laughs> of Christendom would fall into. Yep. Uh, so Trigger. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about a few I've been a part of. <laughs> There's plenty, plenty of stories to go around. So, okay. So anyways, so I don't, so the other thing too, that I would modify is like, I don't think I need to be saved from anything. I mean, I think I need to be, I think I need Cause you to, don't believe. Yeah. See, this is, yeah. This, there's nothing to be saved from. Cause you don't believe sin is. Like a, a problem or a death or anything like that. I think I think human agency goes off the rails because life is uh, really, really tragic and random. And so, like, we insulate ourselves in a lot of ways through power and corruption and oppression and all these different ways. But also through, like, technology and innovation. And, like, somebody invented a porcelain toilet to solve a problem. And that's really great. And we appreciate that very much. Um, but, you know, somebody invented, you know, um, totalitarianism as well. To, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, like, all these different things. Like, there's bad things. There's good things. Um, I think humans are just trying to... I think the species is trying to figure out how to survive the best way possible. And um, whether or not there's, like, some... Uh, mystical battle being fought in some dimension that nobody can actually see or verify is uh, stressful to me. And so I don't put a lot of credence in it anymore. Well, I didn't say anything about that. I asked about miracles. <laughs> well, okay, well, it would just be like there's like the spiritual plane. Like these, I don't know. I, you know, one time... That's the beauty of a miracle is it's not about what's happening in a spiritual plane. Are there it's other... happening pe- in our dimension. Comment below. If you... If you uh, at home armchair theologian listening or watching me right now. If, if you are kind of in the same place feeling like I'm feeling, we're like, okay, maybe Pelagius was onto something like maybe this oral, moral influence theory, this transforming vision, atonement model, family, whatever uh, it resonates with you. Um, why, why 
And um, do you still consider yourself a Christian and why? I, I would like to know if other people, because like, I don't, like, what do you need? What do you, I don't, why do I need to worry about my sin? Because here's the other thing that Pelagius said that God loves everyone. Like, like this is also based on like the scriptures, like God is love. So the ultimate act of love, God loves everyone. Everyone is invited into um, a relationship with God through his love. And the greatest picture of that love is Jesus's sacrifice and resurrection. Right. So like, I believe that too. Like I believe that God is love and, and shows his love to everyone. But you don't believe in God. Yeah. I mean, like maybe God is love. Love is God. Maybe like in some kind of like maybe, just like just in some kind of like um if abstract concept. Yeah, I mean I guess what I'm saying is like if there if the God of the Bible is if if it is they, if they are they, I am that I am, if they are they, <laughs> if if they are that they they Yeah, if they are that they they then I would imagine them to be all loving. See, this is going back to our omni problem. If they be that they be. If they be that they be. If. So I don't know. Yeah. So moral influence theory. Look, and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. I'm really well trained in theology. Listen to all the words I've used. Um, I didn't decide that I needed an atonement theory. I didn't decide that I needed, like when I started deconstructing and I left the pastorate and I left the church, I didn't go, okay, time to create a new atonement model for myself. Time to figure right, out. Nobody does it that way. Nobody does it that way, right? Even though I'm trained to do it that way. I could I could write, what, what do you want, 12,000 words by yeah. Friday? I, I could do it. Yeah. I could do it. Um, but that's not what I did. Uh, what I did was I just lived my ever-loving life trying to... Um, get healthy from the trauma trying to heal and i have come to a place to where i have friends in my life who ask me questions and, and beg you for years to be a co-host on a podcast well and i've just come to realize that this is the theological system i have does that make sense i didn't i i have read pelagius I, I, I know the models. I didn't like pick one and feel good about it. I just, yeah. it's just like where I am and it yeah. happens to fit within something someone said a long time ago. Yeah. Well, and we should also say, I used to always say this, maybe I don't do a good job of reminding people about it anymore, but your faith is a, it's in constant state of evolution. Yeah. Or it should be. We, right? we joke all the time about, am I a heretic or is Adam a heretic? But the, the sad reality is unless you live in a place like Ben where you're paid your entire salary <laughs> by an institution right, that to, requires you to be right. conservatively orthodox. Right. It's impossible for everyone to have their entire theological system according to every church council that ever existed. Uh, Cullen, what I hear you saying is everyone is a heretic. At some level. Yeah, There's right. just no, we don't have all of the answers. Right, and exactly. These, these church councils are written in very specific times to deal with very specific problems right. within the church that are relating to much larger socio-political problems in the community of people. Yep. Much in the same way we see religion impacting socio-political issues today. Um, yep. It's the same stuff over and over and over again. And there's just no way for everybody to be orthodox. Like, nobody is 100% orthodox. I guarantee you. He would never say he's not. 
But Ben, Ben Blackwell is not 100% orthodox. He just finds really creative ways not to talk about the things <laughs> that he doesn't believe according to orthodoxy. Dude, wait, wait, because wait. it's impossible. Is the, is the Pope 100% orthodox? I guess by the very... He's hated by his own people out of the gate for loving gay people. But does that make... poor people. But we're talking about orthodoxy... And, and like, yeah, and, and like in terms of like doctrine. Yeah, doctrinally. No, he's not, right? So is he... Is this why he sits on the throne of Peter? Is this why he is the papa? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Sorry, Catholic jokes. All I'm trying to say is... Because no one can be 100% orthodox, and because we are constantly in a state of evolution as we grow and learn and make mistakes and repent and move forward, ask forgiveness, uh, try to right our wrongs and make amends, we grow, we learn, our worldview changes. Your theology, your theological systems, your divine thoughts, those change as you evolve as a human. So Adam sits here today. I guarantee you, we will probably still be sitting here in 10 years having these same conversations. <laughs> Hopefully, the podcast will be a whole lot better by then. Um, we'll be a whole lot drunker. Sorry, just kidding. Uh, praise God. <laughs> uh, and maybe by that point, we'll look back and go, holy shit, I can't believe we put that on the internet back then. I already feel that way about stuff we put out a year ago. Come on. I feel that way sometimes before I've even released the video. Yeah, right. It's like, oof. That's that's why we that's why we produce so much content. So you'll forget about Hopefully what we said we last week. That stuff. That's right. Hopefully we just give you a sea of content that we can drown out. This you don't know what we said because we don't know what we said. We don't remember. Then you know that's just honesty. Let's just be honest. That point in the episode. Um, yeah. So what else do we want to say about this? What else do you want to know? Um. Is there anything ontological about it? This is the last question. I mean, I think... You got about three minutes. Yeah, I mean, I don't... That's such a tough question because I just don't... I mean, I am... Ontological is the fancy word for being or existence. Is yeah, there anything about yeah, your person that, right. that changes? I, well, what I was about to it. say was like, I don't know. The only change is like... I'm trying to think through like is, is am I being influenced to just change my behaviors or am I being influenced in such a way to where like something yeah I guess like my worldview has changed I guess That's my not ontological I, yeah I mean like what yeah exactly so what so maybe no I mean like can you come down from a mountain like Moses from an encounter with God no fucking glowing like is there something ontological about your being that can change I mean if my being can become more in tune with other beings, such as my neighbors and perhaps like uh, um, the deer in the forest, as the deer panted, triggered. Um, <laughs> like it maybe in that way, I become more one with other things in the natural space. Is that ontological change? I mean, is I, I don't. Because I don't think so. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to, like, fit myself for eternity. So, and I believe in a lot of real corporeal reality. Because that's all we've got evidence but, for. But you would certainly believe in energies from a human. 
believe in. <sighs> I mean, like, sure, there's something there. Yeah, like, there is clearly some chemistry that occurs between two human beings that is sometimes sexual, sometimes happy, sometimes platonic, celebratory, sometimes platonic, sometimes. Yeah, of course. Like, but what is that? I don't know. Maybe that's the answer to it all. <laughs> Who the fuck knows about any of it? None of y'all. It ain't. There ain't no answers to this stuff. We just try to. Cre- Honestly, sometimes I don't even know what we try to do here. <laughs> what we try to do is come up with really good country songs. So if you've been to Amarillo, we'll send you out with this Amarillo by morning. Goodbye, everyone. See you on the next. Thanks for listening to the Pints and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.